normally people would be hearing us pulling a tarot card right now, but that's not what they're getting. You want to tell them why, Megan? That's because today we have a special guest who is an expert at reading tarot, Athena Monet. Oh, I cannot wait to talk with her. She's going to take us through the history. She's going to do our pull for us. And I have so many questions. Hey, hi, Athena. Oh, it's so great to see you. Thank you for being with us. Nice to meet you, Olivia. We met years ago. Okay, because I'm like, she looks so familiar. Every time I see your post on Instagram, I'm like, I know her. No, we met. She looks familiar to me. But we didn't talk magic that time, and now we get to. When I met you, it was at the library in Delray in Alexandria, Virginia. And we had these little toddlers in story time. That's actually how I Megan, met. Megan, is this just how you pick people up at story time? I might. That's how I met her husband. That's story time at a different library. I guess it's my technique and it's working so far. I've met some incredible humans along the way. You ended up teaching yoga to me at the YMCA. And then from there, you moved out to Delaware and the rest is history. So today on the podcast, we have Athena Monet. She is an author, gifted intuitive healer, and spiritual guide. She's born into a lineage of gifted women. Athena inherited these extraordinary gifts of clairvoyance and clairsentience from her family. She spent a decade working at prominent commercial architecture firms in Washington, D.C., before being called to break free from the corporate world. She moved to the coast and shortly after experienced the devastating loss of her mother. Overwhelmed by grief and loneliness, Athena's pain manifested into mysterious illnesses and chronic GI stress that Western medicine couldn't resolve. After a friend recommended that Athena seek the guidance of the local medicine woman, Athena experienced profound healing. This experience with her shaman marked a turning point, granting Athena permission to embrace her true self and to courageously share the ancestral gifts that had coursed through her bloodline for generations. And today, we have the great honor of talking with Athena about one of our favorite topics, tarot. I'm Megan LaPrairie, a brand photographer. And I'm Olivia Bowen, a certified life coach. And this is Curious Nature. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Athena. Yeah, and since I'm talking about tarot today, what was coming to me was as I'm doing my pull to also narrate my process for listeners. I have been feeling lately that smudging with sage is losing its power. <laughs> sage, we're going through a period of time where a lot of healers, light workers are starting to notice that they're feeling called to use other tools to cleanse, to bless, to purify their practices and their spaces. I didn't bring the sage over because I actually was guided to put it in the drawer last week. But a really powerful way of cleansing your deck before starting without any herbs is actually to just knock on your deck. So I like to remind newcomers and oldcomers to the tarot, the power of physically knocking your deck. So you can see here I have a deck in my hands. 
And I would just go through and I would actually set the intention and imagine that whatever energy these have been holding, because they've been in a box a year, <laughs> that I could actually just pull them out and just knock that energy out with a few good shakes. Okay, it's really powerful, seems simple, but it works. So once I shake it out, shuffling also is a practice for kind of cleansing energy from your deck. So shuffling really well, moving the cards around, that helps to get them nice and clear and ready for a reading. And then setting the attention. I am a shaman, so I'm also working with the spirit world. So I asked right away, okay, would you like one card, two cards, three for our listeners? And I actually was guided to three cards. So I've been shuffling as we've been starting out. I also wanted to share for those who are new that you'll notice sometimes, depending on which deck you use, a card might actually like physically flip over. All right. Always take that card. If a card flips over, always take that card. Also, if you're shuffling, depending on your shuffling method, and there's no right or wrong in my book, if your eye catches a card, like when you're cutting the deck and you happen to look at the middle card, I would take that card, right? If you're cutting the deck and the card really speaks to you, you're like, ooh, I feel like that card's for me, then I would suggest either setting it aside or paying extra close attention when you pull your cards if that card comes out again. Because the card that's intended for you is the card that's going to come out, even on a one three card pool. So the way I'm going to do it today, I'm actually just going to fan the cards out. Okay. And there's several ways. Sometimes I shuffle really well. I cut it into three, put it back together, pick right off the top. Sometimes I fan it out, especially with my children, because we actually do card pulls sometimes before bed. So with kids, to fan it out and let them just magnetically see which ones I play games with them to see, oh, where do you feel it? So it's teaching them really early on to use their intuition to magnetically choose what's right for themselves. Ideally, that would lead into other areas of life later. So you can use your eyes as a tool for magnetism or your hands as a tool for magnetism. Material cards work through magnetism, very similar to other tools for divination. So I would just pull right now. I'm going to pick three cards and my guides tell me right away which ones to put in the center, which ones to put on the left side and what to put over on the right. And I always look at the bottom part of the deck. Always. that For me, that's the underlying intention for the reading, especially if we're doing multiple card pools. So at the bottom of the deck today, you guys, the mermaid deck. I go by Seaside Shaman. I live at the beach. I love the water. I love mermaids. I have a mermaid altar in my room. So we're using the mermaid tarot today. There's so many fun tarot decks out there. I actually have never used the Rider Weight, which is the traditional tarot. I've studied it. I have it, but I've never used it. Never used it. Never felt called to. So that's important. And maybe we'll do that later as well. So we have the Knight of Swords. All right. And you can see here, knights, as we know, they're warriors. So there's a mermaid riding this really magical horse across the waters. And it looks like the skies are kind of clearing. You can see to one side, it's like the storm is moving. And you, you wonder which way is the storm moving? Which way is she moving? We'll talk about things that we pay attention to in cards. But I pay a lot of attention to directionality, structure, order in the card. You actually don't have to study the tarot to be able to read it. And that's something that I think is really helpful for newcomers to the tarot is if you know what to look out for before you can even fully grasp the 78 card journey, you can still have a great amount of connection to what the cards signify by knowing what to pay attention to. 
So in this deck, there's going to be a lot of water because it's a mermaid deck. But in certain decks, there might only be one suit of water. So you would pay attention to elements like water. That rule doesn't apply to this because pretty much every card has water in this deck. But we've got the Knight of Swords and this mermaid looks like a warrior. So then I have <laughs> cards that in the traditional deck would be scary. However, the cards, once we start to understand how they work and how they guide us, they actually are designed to give us clarity and to empower us, to help us to come up with a plan. So if we know that the cards are not simply just predicting, the cards are helping us to prepare. What's really awesome about the card, the Knight of the Wands, and it looks as if a storm is behind this mermaid, is that I've been receiving a lot of messages lately about storms, right? Like when a storm comes, we can prepare for the storm. We know what to do. We go inside. We hunker down. We might want to stock up our pantries, board up our windows, right? There's certain do when a storm is coming. So they signify the coming and passing of storm. And also right now, look at our world. We're going through a very stormy time in our world right now. If we could think about that in the same way. So the first card in the past placement, because I did three cards, past, present, future reading. But remember, future is just preparation here to prepare. The past placement is the death card. And again, it's a mermaid death card. So it's a little less scary than the Rider Waite death card. If you've ever seen the Rider Waite, there's skeletons and scary imagery that a lot of people are triggered by. This card, you can see that there is a death figure that's actually carrying a flag. Okay. So I want to say again that the bottom card of the deck was a triumphant mermaid. And the first past placement is a death figure, right? A hooded death figure carrying a flag. So if you just look at these two, the underlying message is not scary. The death was carrying the flag here in this card, but that's past. So a lot of the worst part of what we're experiencing is over, right? The death has already occurred. It's already underway. That's important for us to know the Israel situation on my mind a lot in our world. And then there's the Ukraine situation. So we're like on the edge of what we understand to be a war. So if we understand that and these cards are helping to support us and how do we prepare our minds and our hearts and our spirits for what's to come? How do we look at what's here in the present moment when we get anxiety about what's happening? What do I do? Same as we do with a storm. When a storm's coming, what do we do? How do we prepare for it? In the present placement, there's the Knave of Swords, and that has to do with work and triumph, success. This mermaid, she's standing firm in her place. Look at her. She's in the depths of the ocean in this card. In the underlying card, she was above the water in the light after the storm. In our present placement, we're being called to stand firm in our beliefs, in our current space, to ground to allow ourselves to be in the depth. So for anybody who is watching this right now, who feels even in your personal world, like there's some things outside of your control, do your best to ground down in the depths of this moment because we will triumph, but this is that moment for us. In the past, we have the death card. In the future placement, we have the devil card. <laughs> so, so the trick with the devil card in a lot of my decks, I was actually going to pull the Egyptian tarot today, but I couldn't find that one. It's I moved in December. I have boxes all over the place. So I had a feeling that this card was going to come. And sometimes that'll happen. The one in the Egyptian tarot is slightly different, but the message is the same. There are two figures standing at the base of this devil figure. 
and they are perceiving no power. And in the Egyptian tarot deck, they actually have chains. They're handcuffed to get behind their back together. But when you look closely in the Egyptian tarot, the chains are actually broken and the two are free, but they believe that they're not free. And so they're immobile because they believe that they're not free. And so when I'm seeing this card in the future placement, this card usually for me signifies that you might believe that you don't have power, but that you actually in fact have a great deal of power. You might believe that your hands are tied and bound. In fact, they're not. So that's in the future placement for us. And a lot of times the devil in the cards is a trickster. It's actually not a very scary figure. It's a trickster figure who will trick you into fearing things that are actually not to be feared. So it's a trickster energy. And that's in the future placement. If we take that into account and we can remember that future placement cards are actually cards of preparation, then right now what we can do is we can prepare our minds to be ready for trickster energy, for deception, for lies. There's a lot of that. And so if we are aware there's going to be a lot of misinformation, a lot of trickster energy in the world, but also in our own minds. Our minds are under attack right now. Then we can be prepared. Our mind can be strong. We can stand firm in our place, in our beliefs, like that present card. And we can't be tricked. We can't be swayed, standing grounded in who we are. That is an incredible amount of information, quite a lot of insight and knowledge. And I can tell this is not your first time pulling cards. I forgot about tapping the deck. You had showed me that a while ago. That's very, very cool. And I love that mermaid deck. That really makes me think of you with Seaside Shaman. It's perfect for you. So yeah, give me the clips notes of that poll. We have our past, our present, and our future. Uh, so the two scariest cards in the deck came out, right? In the past and future. Scary straddling us from yesterday. Scary straddling us from tomorrow. So what do we do in the present? So the underlying message is stay strong in the present and know that we're going to win. The light is going to win. The light is going to win. Good is going to win. Period. If you know that, how does that affect how you stand grounded in the dark right now? Because this mermaid I'm going to try to do it because it's on the screen and so that it shows in the right order. <laughs> okay. She's surrounded by fear or what could instill fear. But look at her. She's not afraid. She's in the shadows standing strong. That's what we need to do right now. Stand strong. And I had a client this morning with a scary health diagnosis. And we talked about act like you know that this is nothing and that you're going to be totally fine. And keep on moving through your days like that. Now, we can't be ignorant to the crises in our world. So it is important that we take the time and actually do the healing work on ourselves. We did talk about how she can actually heal herself while she's moving forward, acting like nothing's wrong. Because she's doing the work to actually heal herself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So as a collective, on a grander scale... We're experiencing the same things going on. So if we're aware of that, then we know, okay, we can do what we can for the greater good by sharing information. Our hands are not tied. So sharing information, talking about these things, praying about these things, sending aid if we can, what can we do versus I feel like I can't do anything. 
This is Megan of La Prairie Photography. Do you know what to expect when going into your personal branding session? Well, you don't have to. I will be sending to you seven things you need to know for your branding session. This doesn't have to be stressful. It's a wonderful and exciting experience, and I will help you every step of the way. This doesn't have to be stressful. All you need to do is head over to my website, laprairiephoto.com, and click on the link at the top to download your free PDF today. It's my gift to you. By the time that this episode airs, I'm curious where we will be at. Right now, we're recording, and it's mid-October, and we are every day waking up to news reports that are catastrophic. So I hope that we do come through this standing strong with resilience. I think that Olivia as well, you've gone to tarot quite a bit. I think I'm the most novice of the three of us, but I think you have a good breadth of tarot and you use it a lot and used it in your decision to branch off from your previous line of work and into your current sphere. So I think it can be very impactful to lean on as a tool. I love what you were saying at the end. It's almost an inroad to action right? It can help inform our action. But I think where tarot and so much of these metaphysical tools get a bad rap is people who think it stops there. Okay, I did the pull. Now make something of it. Go for it. Take earthly action. It's a guide. Exactly. It helps you to tap into instructions when you're feeling a little bit lost, like you're spinning. It really helps with decision making. Yeah, it's a tool. But you need to use and then take action. You mentioned the Rider White deck. You mentioned the Egyptian deck. You mentioned the 78 cards. Can you just give like high level overview? Yeah. So in the tarot, and there are some really awesome online courses. I love BD tarot when you're a newcomer. And now YouTube's a thing that wasn't as big when I started tarot. So you can find so many incredible guides and tutorials online. But in a nutshell, the tarot follows a very specific kind of format, which differs from oracle cards, which could be any number of cards. It could be 40, 56, 60 cards in an oracle card deck. And it could be on all kinds of topics and follow any kind of order and be inspired by literally anything. Oracle cards are great. They're message cards and they can be read for yourself, um, but they can also be read for others. The tarot was created to explore all of these metaphysical dreamology, all of these concepts, and put them into a series of cards that could then be used to share interpretations and be used as a tool for divination. And the cards are actually broken down very specifically into what we call major and minor arcana. The first part of the deck, I believe it's 22 cards in the major arcana from what we would call the fool's journey. The Fool's Journey starts out with the fool embarking out into the unknown, ends with a very wise male figure that's going out to share their wisdom. And then the cards start to go into information that's been gained over the fool's journey that's been down into very, I would say, specific archetypal steps in a journey that humans will experience and encounter. So those are then broken up into four groups. Major arcana is the first way to minor arcana is the, the remaining cards. So they're broken up into four groups, usually classified by element. 
And if you understand the elements, you know, emotions for cloud or sky element, air element, ether element, fire, water. So a lot of times, whatever tarot deck you use, they're broken down into kind of more elemental groups. The groups are identified as swords, for example, a lot of times has to do with your work and your mission. And cups a lot of times has to do with the heart has to do with emotion, has to do with more of the human experience of love. So you'll find that with the cups. You go into the pentacles and it has to do with exchange, like currency, money, and their beliefs around that. So then we break it up into the wands, right? And a lot of times that's personal power. Again, action, but individuated action. So you understand those. And then the numbers have meaning. So it's a one to 10 for each suit. So you understand one is like starting. That's the ace card in each suit. And you understand 10 is completion. So if you understand numerology, the original creators also brought in concepts of numerology when they created the tarot. So there's so many layers to the symbols that it could actually be overwhelming to a newcomer, which is why I say pay attention to what stands out to you because that is how your intuition, your spirit guides will use the tools that are relevant to you to speak to you specifically and uniquely when you're reading the cards. You actually don't have to remember all of the meanings of every single card right off the bat. But with time and with study, most who are actually interested in the tarot will start to learn those things naturally and be able to very quickly read for themselves and others. That's what they're aspiring to. If I remember correctly, you got into tarot long before you became a shaman. I did. So what was your first deck and what led you to start using it? My first deck. So again, like I said, I've never actually worked with the traditional writer way, although I haven't felt guided to use that one. And I have some really cool ones that writer weight that have been passed to me by either clients or a friend's grandmother passed away and I inherited her writer weight, which is colorless. It's actually a black and white vintage writer weight deck it's incredible so i have that which is super fun and interesting but when i came into the tarot i actually had a friend and fellow yogi who owned a studio in old town where i live i loved her so much i thought she was such a magical human and i was like oh, natasha what tarot deck would you recommend for me to start with she was an astrologer and just very mystical lebanese woman and she said the Osho Zen Tarot. And I'm like, okay, whatever you say, I'm doing. But so I ordered it right away, the Osho Zen Tarot, which at the time I was also following and still quite a bit of Buddhist philosophy. And so having a deck that tied in with a lot of my personal spiritual beliefs and also the teachings of a great spiritual teacher, Osho, and then having that illustrated in the 78 card traditional spread, it was the absolute best deck for me to start with. And I still have that deck and I used it with my kid. I used it with my husband at the time, started to read for family members. And it started out as something just for me and it started to grow and become more to be shared outside of my little intimate nucleus. Thank you for sharing. Is that something you still use in your practice as a shaman? Actually, no, I don't. Oh, well, then thank you so much for talking to us about it today. I know it's okay. You know, in my household, we use the card. Like I said, when my kids are experiencing anxiety or even just for fun, they're like, I want to see what the card tells me. It's always extremely poignant, even for children. 
And occasionally I use the cards with myself. My 19-year-old will ask me to pull cards for him because he grew up with the cards. And so when he finds moments in life where he could use some direction, he knows he can ask mom to pull out the card. He has a deck of his own cards. So the cards are definitely a tool that we use inside of our home. When I stepped into shamanism and really grew and developed my tool and my ability for channeling, I actually found that I was faster than the card. So it got to the point where I was like, I'm like reading, I'm like, and I like throw the card down. I'm like, let me just tell you what I hear. So I did bridge from using the card to organize what I was hearing. But the whole time I was hearing things from spirit. And eventually there were so many voices and it was so fast that the cards couldn't keep up with the information that was coming. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. In the beginning, when you were walking us through your process, you talked about how, you know, sometimes a card will fall out or you'll peek at a card and you should listen to that with how it resonates. What do you say to someone if they're pulling a card and something comes up and they're like, I just, I just don't get it. Yeah. So you can ask for what we call in tarot world, a clarifier. So you can put that card down. And if you're like, I don't understand shuffle ask your higher self if that's who you're working with or your your angels say hey i don't really understand this card can you give me a clarification and then shuffle select another card place it on top if you find that nope still don't get it then you don't want to hear the answer (laughs) that's what i would say if you're like i still don't get it then you need to put that down and you need to go to your journal and like journal that out. What are you confused about right now? Because at that point, it's like your brain is a tangled mess and you need to untangle that in your journal. Then go back to the tarot. So I also share when you're reading for yourself, I have done this for decades where I will journal. and I'll even write out what I want to know in my notebook. I'll develop my own kind of outline for a spread and then I'll choose the cards according to my question and the spread that's sketched in my notebook. So you also have the power and the ability to design your own spread, write it out, channel it in your notebook, your journal, select your cards according to that. Today, again, technology has really brought us a long way. There's Pinterest, right? So you can go on Pinterest and you can find spread layouts in Pinterest for anything. So if you're like, I don't know what to ask for, just go into Pinterest and type in tarot spread layout and you're going to get dozens, if not hundreds of ideas for tarot spreads that are going to help you to get clear on what you need for yourself. That's such a fun idea. I never would have thought to do that. It works. It's wild. Yeah. I love what you said about you just don't want to hear it. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll note it in my journal. Right. And I was right in the margins of the right tarot and I tracked my tarot spreads. I'll be like, okay, I'm not seeing it. And usually if it's something combative, right, that's the kinds of things that I don't want to see if I'm getting a combative energy from a card. So I'll note it. And I'm like, if I had to guess what this was, it would be this. And then I'll just leave it there. And then maybe three months from now, I'll go back in and, and retrospect, like, Oh, I see it now. Okay. Right. And so that's how I've sort of tuned my energy and my intuition with working with the cards is I'll leave those breadcrumbs and then I'll go back and I'll 
match them up to what actually happened. Totally. Yeah. And it's so powerful when you are giving yourself permission to come back to it. Because we're in such an anxiety-ridden culture where we want everything right now. We want to deal with this right now. Tell me now. And sometimes it's not for you to even deal with, right? So give yourself permission for that too. Like if it doesn't make sense right now, maybe it's not supposed to make sense right now. And if someone's not really open to tarot, I'm sure they're already not listening. But maybe they're a bit curious. Are there any red or green flags that they might look for in someone they start working with that's reading tarot with them? Ooh, I love that question. Okay. Uh, first off, I came from a very Christian and Baptist family. I was always taught that tarot and metaphysical tools are the devil's stuff. Dangerous. Right? Which is really fascinating because if that were true, this devil card would not be a card that we thought, oh, no, it would be a little bit more glorious if these were the devil's cards. That said, a lot of times we have some programming that has taught us that tarot's bad and then we bring the energy of fear into it and that doesn't really support us. So what I would say is really check in with yourself. If you have any energy of fear, ask yourself why and then determine what it is that you need that you're looking for. So for someone who's coming from religious teaching background or religious programming, even religious trauma, and you're feeling guided to explore the cards, but you're a little bit scared because they seem like the devil's work, then find someone who reads angel cards. Find what is right for you. Rents for me would be, and it's common sense stuff, imagery that I don't like, imagery that doesn't sit well with me. I told you I don't use the traditional writer weight because I don't like the skeleton cards and I don't like the way death cards look or the devil. Like, I don't like those cards. So for me, I like a softer deck that if it has that card, it's a mermaid <laughs> um, or it's an angel. So for me personally, if I'm going to a reader and their essence is like really dark and heavy and deep, lower vibrational, if they've got a lot of black stuff, for me, I'm powered to you. That's what you vibe with. That's what you resonate with. That doesn't resonate with me. I, I barely even own black clothes. I have one black thing in my closet. That's not for me. So if I go to someone that's all black and they've got jewelry with goals and stuff on their table that to me is reminiscent of more shadow side of this work, that's not for me. And it's not to shame that. It's just to say that it's not for me because that's going to tell me that guess what? That person's reading is going to reflect this. Their voice is going to reflect this. It's going to be a voice that is probably on the more lower vibrational tone, a voice that's probably going to instill a little bit more fear. Let's look at me like 10 years ago when I used to go to fairs and do tarot readings and all this stuff. I had like my mermaid stuff, angel stuff, bright colored crystals, light blue colors. If I had gone into a mind, body, spirit, and seeing my table and not coming from an ego place, but this is me 10 years later not doing this. If I go to a mind body fair and I see a person who has a very bright light energy, light colored crystals on their table, some fun personality, or even earth energy, then I know that person is for me. Some people are going to be more attracted to the Celtic, to the Fae, right? So they're going to have a lot that earth energy on their table. I know. So you're going to feel like, ooh, that person is for me. Because that person is also tapping into spirit energies from wherever they connect. And that's what's going to be channeled through to you. It's not just the cards. It's also the helpers that they bring forward. They're hearing from even if they don't know it. 
that's a wonderful answer. And thank you so much. It is very intuitive. You say spirit. And for me, growing up, I was very religious as well, Southern Baptist and evangelical. And spirit was the Holy Spirit. And then I grew to believe so much more than that. And so when you have your guides and your ancestors in spirit, before you do a tarot pull, is there something that you say? From a shamanic standpoint, I'm now working with others. So it involves very much more of a traditional therapy look to it, right? A lot of Zoom sessions, one-on-one kind of feels like counsel. Sometimes we do the lying down, energetic healing and shamanic journeying. I'm also trained in Reiki. So I would use the Reiki symbols. I would say a small prayer, like, please help me to guide this person for their highest good. Just setting the intention for that individual. So it wasn't so much that I was calling in specific helpers or realms necessarily, but now on the shaman side, I do use the four directions prayer, which I've used for a while for probably seven, eight years. So the four directions prayer does call in spirit, spirit animals, helpers from above, below the earth. So it calls in a whole army of help from every direction. So that's on the shamanic side. But what's really beautiful about calling in help is you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as you stay grounded in who you're calling on help from. Know a little bit about what you're tapping into because there is some weird stuff out there. Okay, So it could be Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. Lately, I just talk straight to God. I just go straight to the source. And I'm like, hey, what does this person need? Help guide me. And God dispatches out to me the spirit helpers that that individual needs. So that's how it works for me now with the card pool. I must say that right now when I'm thinking about cards, like would I talk to God? I probably wouldn't because I speak so directly to God that I wouldn't actually use the cards to talk to God. But if I'm trying to get some clarity on human matters, like my relationship or parenting or what to do with a job, then I might ask my guy, they're closer in. I don't need to go that high for a small human matter, which might feel big for a lot of us. But for me, there's so much bigger going on right now in our universe. So when you're opening up and you're channeling using the cards, I would say first and foremost, before we even call in any helpers, make sure that you're setting up even the slightest form of protection. Like, hey, angels surround me during this reading. Thank you. All right, go. It could be quick. But just making sure they do it, it's like locking your door before you sleep. So making sure that you're doing even Mm -hmm. the smallest amount of protection, whether it's a candle, sage, you could do it. Like I said, you can do it for a card reading. It's going to work a little bit. Lately, I'm frankincense, oil, pelisanto, sweetgrass, whatever you feel called to use as a protective measure before doing a reading. And that's before you call in any spirit helpers because you're opening doorways. Thank you for walking us through how to protect yourself before you even begin a tarot reading and also the entire overview of tarot. Hello, awesome Curious Nature podcast listeners. Thank you so much for listening to this amazing interview that I've had the blessed opportunity to share in with these lovely ladies. I hope that you find it enlightening and I am so grateful that you have taken this time to listen in. In appreciation of you listening in today and being such a beautiful, curious, and open spirit, if you would like to try out my soul medicine program, 
I have a special offer for you today. If you log on to soulmedicine.studio and click on the memberships link, you will see a few different tiers of membership. Soul Medicine Gold is an excellent way to listen in on conversations with other women and to dig in a little bit and get some of your own questions answered in live sessions with myself and my amazing team. We do live sessions every week, several days a week, and we cover all topics ranging from self-love to soul healing to manifesting to surrender. And currently this year, we're rolling out a lot more programs for creatives. So you'll find that on the first of first Sunday of the month, we're doing some awesome creative journaling with mixed media with different leaders. So get on there if it's calling to you and try out your first month for $19. You will just need to type in the code curious first month with the number one for first and you'll find that code down below. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks so much for listening. You talked about meeting your first deck, the Osho Zentero deck. If someone is just feeling called to explore tarot, how should they find the right deck for them? Should they ask someone they trust? Should they go to a metaphysical store and see what they feel drawn to? All of the above, right? So if you have someone who you trust, if you're like going at this on your own and you don't even know about food, that's my recommendation. Again, technology has changed from when I started. Right now, you could just go to Amazon and be like tarot decks and you're going to get like a thousand options. So it's really fun to go to a metaphysical store if you have one in your town or in the next town over. And to go through the tarot section and see what you see. My mermaid decks, I've purchased over time from different places. I actually found a mermaid when I was in Sedona, of all places, right? I live at the beach. (laughs) And I'm in Sedona and I'm in the shop and I'm like zoned in and all this mermaid stuff is showing up for me. What in the world? Why am I finding mermaid stuff in Sedona? That's a realm of helpers that I believe in. And I was super tickled to find mermaid stuff in Sedona. So in your travels, you can pick up tarot and oracle cards. I've had so many gifted to me. I can go on to trusted sites like Hay House is a great resource and they always have sales and they're curated. So it's a little easier than going to Amazon because it's going to be a curated collection of cards. Most of my giant bin of decks is Hay House, and tons of them were given to me. Yeah, they're always having sales, too. It's crazy. Also, again, technology, you guys. You can get tarot from Hay House in the app. There's an app, and you can get the cards in the app, use them, and they work. So I actually pull pretty regularly from the Isis Oracle in my phone. Wild. You literally swipe the card and you see which one do I feel and then you click it and it flips over and it's usually spot on. It's insane. And it's in your phone. Technology. Brett, card reversals. So what's your take? So for 
So for folks who aren't familiar, it's just the card shows up upside down when you do a pull. Yeah, it's funny. I have certain decks that it's like the uh-huh. decks have an energy of their own, right? It's on the creators. So without me even talking to the creator or reading it in a book, I have decks that the energy of the deck will tell me, like, you need to also read this in the reverse. Like, it carries a reverse energy. So I don't stress reverse because that comes intuitively. But with that said, with decks that you know or that you feel guided to pay attention when it's in the reverse, I am a glass half full mind versus glass half empty mind. So when it comes to what we would perceive as like a warning, I view it as a preparation or an instruction. So when we get a reverse card, usually it's the card telling you something that you're not doing. Like, oh, you're not doing this or this bad thing is about to happen. You're not going to get the thing you want. Ten of Cups is a happy ending card. If it's reverse, you know, and you're like, you're not going to get your happy ending. <laughs> But that could be super disempowering and discouraging. So again, if you can turn that into a preparation or instructions, it would be, okay, well, what does this person need to do to have their happy ending? I turn that reverse into a question a lot of times to the spirit guides or to the individual. You can even turn the question right on to the person like, what do you need to do to get your happy ending? But also, like, I'm not one that likes to give people bad news either. But the card is telling me like, oh, yeah, you're not going to have a happy ending with this person. Okay. So if I were to be doing a reading for someone and I would get the reverse 10 of cups, which is telling me that is not their happy ending. But then intuitively, I know this lady is really holding on to hope that this man is her happy ending, but he's not. Oh, what do we do? So I would take that card. I would actually pull a clarifier on top of it. And I'd be like, so what do you want her to to work on instead? Instead of her hyper-focusing on this guy being her happy ending, give me one more clarifier card that's going to tell me what she can do instead. There are times when the devil card was in the reverse, that would actually be a good thing. And I basically read it in the reverse today, even though I didn't have it. Because I didn't pull the stack based on like right or wrong. I just fanned them out, chose the cards. But I read the devil card in the reverse. I always read the devil card in the reverse. You can choose. Thank you so much, Athena. If people want to work with you, knowing that they've learned so much from you already from tarot, but that you do so much more than that as a shaman. Eastsideshaman.com is my main website. And then over the last few years, really grown my program called Zoe Medicine. I have facilitators who I've trained to work very similarly to how I do. We hold group sessions every week. And for our members, we have a nice member community where we can ask questions about any of these weird, crazy metaphysical things, depending where we are in our journey. So it's a nice, safe space where we can ask questions, get our questions answered, do our growth work together. Soul Medicine is a space for us to heal and grow together in our beautiful divine selves. And it's laid back. It's like a sister friend club, pretty much. So I highly recommend if somebody's watching this, listening to this, they're getting into tarot, they've been in it for a while, and they're feeling alone in it. And they're like, man, I really like to have teachers, community, sisters in this. Then soul medicine is definitely a great space for you to explore. That's excellent. Thank you so much. I know you're really big on Instagram as well. Yeah, it's good. Every now and then I'm starting to post a little bit more than just like my five kids and dogs. 
But yeah, I'm pretty active on there. I check it. I don't do much other social media. Like I'm not doing TikTok or Facebook or any of that. So Instagram's kind of the one social media that you can count on hearing back from me on. <laughs> and email as well is a great way to get in touch with me. We will put all of this in the show notes so people can find you easily and make sure that they are going to the right talented person. Awesome. Yeah. So you're working in tandem with science, with the metaphysical, and it's coming through you. A whole host of helpers shows up for that individual. And also my helper shows up. And I also have my own intuition, my own own radar in my own ability to see inside the body. So it's a combination of a lot of information. It's like Google, like my brain is logging into information. Educate yourself and heal. So that's another important thing about my work. It's not necessarily just for clients to come to me, for me to be the guru and tell them that's not the goal. The goal is for me to channel and to mirror back to them their power and to put it back into their hand. So Yes, I can talk to their guides. I can see in their body. I can refer them to certain specialists. But the biggest thing that I work to do with my clients is to mirror and put the power back in their hands. So a lot of times I'm like, oh, you can do this. Oh, you already had this in your mind. You were already guided to this. I'm just telling you what you're already now. But you need to do it. <laughs> you need to do it. Because a lot of times we'll hear the thing. I do this myself. We'll see the thing, feel the thing, feel guided, and then just not do it for whatever reason. So I'm kind of just the force that people need to actually do the thing they know they need to do anyway, or the permission. Sometimes we just need permission from another adult human. That's really scary. And for me to be able to just like, yes, and she's going to be better once you do it. Like sometimes we need somebody to, to tell us that. Well, thank you so yeah. much, Athena. Thank you for taking all this time with us. I really appreciate being able to sit down and talk with you and see how much you've grown in your practice and how much your practice has grown. I love I love that you've been there with me through the whole like decade of this transformation with my business. I love it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. This is cool. Super cool. Fun topic. I think tarot a lot of times is like the gateway into spiritual awakening for so many people and then come full circle back to themselves. Like it's cool what tarot can do for us. Yeah, totally. I love that. I just thought of it as like Havarti with Dill is my gateway cheese to get you in to trying all the other ones and then you're open to troubles later on so this is good i love that you should put that in this episode you know the gateway cheese all right awesome thanks ladies bye-bye bye thank you subscribe to the curious nature podcast on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen and if you liked today's episode please leave us a five-star review it means the world to us and it helps more people find our podcast Please follow us on Instagram at CuriousNaturePod. You can email us at CuriousNaturePod at gmail.com. The information provided on this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. We are not, nor are we holding ourselves up to be physicians, psychologists, or any other medical professional. We are not providing healthcare or medical or therapeutic services. The Curious Nature Podcast is produced by Olivia Bowen. Sound design and production by Megan LaPrairie. Theme music by Kabir Green and logo art by Melinda Bukanich. Thanks for listening, curious one. <laughs>